Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and today I am on a very official mission with my very official co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello. Dr. Ravello, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm glad that we are officially official because it's only been like four years that we've been doing this podcast together. So thank you. Well, we're official because we are sitting in a studio for real and not slumped on a sofa and <laughs> hanging over a chair or, you know, standing in a hallway, whatever we do when we do our podcast. We are actually in the Podcast One studios to do our Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. And it feels pretty good. It is. This is a really nice studio. I do feel like I am very official. And I, I this is great. I'm really enjoying this studio. We got some beautiful flowers. We have the amazing Sean Gosser helping us out produce it. Props to Sean. So I'm in. All right. Well, good. Because we have a lot to talk about today. Yes. I want to talk about facial implants. You'd like to talk about facial implants. There are so much to say about chin implants and cheek implants and mandibular implants and even tear trough implants or temporal implants, all kinds of things that you can do with implants in the face. And there are many reasons people go to have implants in their face. Yeah, and I'm surprised that we have not done this podcast yet. I was thinking back, and I don't know that we've done it. So that's a little bit of a short side on our part because facial implants are actually fairly common amongst people who know about facial implants. But I think the average layperson doesn't actually like think about facial implants or that that's even really a thing or an option. Um, those who do know about it and they go and they ask about it. But a lot of times what happens is they go see their plastic surgeon for some other procedure and then it's mentioned, oh, by the way, you might want to consider maybe doing a facial implant as well. Yeah. I mean, in my world, I do a lot of chin implants along with rhinoplasty, but I saw one of my patients and <laughs> interestingly just did the rhinoplasty who I'd done a chin implant and mandibular implants on in the past. And you know, the jaw looked great. And finally, uh, he came and said, uh, you know what? I, I need my deviated septum fixed. Maybe you can take this hump down a little bit. But the implants were already done. And it was sort of matching the nose to the newly formed crushing jawline that I made for him. Right. And so that's so let's talk about the dif- different implant options that are, are available. So kind of going from the bottom up, the ones you just mentioned, the mandibular or jaw implants is probably how they're better known. These are implants that go along the jawline, and they are designed to give a more defined, a more fuller jawline. You typically see that usually in men or in women that are transitioning to men, so a facial masculinization procedure. They want a more defined jawline. You can have chin implants, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's an implant that sits along the chin to bring it more forward, give it a little more projection if you have a receded chin, um, give it just a little bit more about that strong chin. And this is men, this is women. And it really balances the profile of the face and not uncommonly done with rhinoplasty because patients will come in and say, I feel like my nose projects too much out of my face, but really it's that their chin doesn't project enough. Sometimes you need one and or both. Yeah, and it's very artistic uh, because, you know, the measurements are one thing. You know, this is like a big part of our plastic surgery training in craniofacial surgery is cephalometrics, which is where you take an x-ray and you, you know, the the term cephalo really stands for head. So it's the metrics of the head and includes measurements that are from 
the top of the nose to the maxilla, you know, the upper jaw to the chin. And, right. and we have all these There's angles drawn so, all over. It's like geometry on steroids from like the top of the forehead to the tip of the nose and the tip of the nose to the chin. And it should be this angle and it should be this distance and it should be this ratio. And they're kind of esoteric numbers, but they do symbolize like there is a certain symmetry to the face that the eye appreciates. And when something's off, like a chin projection to nose projection ratio, people notice it, even if they can't put their finger necessarily on what it is about their face that appears off. Right. So using those sort of measurements is great, but it's also that you have to have an artistic eye for it. You have to kind of look at, you know, well, how is this person built? Like what's... What's going on for them? And I, and in fact, I just saw a uh, facial feminization patient uh, who is totally unhappy with the work that was done by a quote-unquote facial femme expert. And it, it's basically they just missed. Like mm-hmm. they just missed. There was nothing feminized about her face. It, it just was a miss. Like, and it's really unfortunate because it's like, Pay attention. Like you're doing these things for somebody's face. You really need to be dialed into the details. And, you know, not that this was a facial implant case. It's actually the opposite. You have to reduce the jaw. You have to – so my point is just in terms of the patients who are looking to do this, like don't get get dialed in and, and, you know, welded to the details of measurements. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah, that's not how it's done. No one's sitting there with a protractor measuring your nasal tip to chin angle. It is really about how the overall harmony of the face is. And so you have, you know, you have the jaw implants, you have the chin implants, and then going up the face, you have cheek implants. Love Love cheek implants. Love them them so much. They are exactly what they sound like. They're going to sit over the cheekbones and they're designed to enhance the cheekbones for a variety of reasons. So this can be in the aging patient with or without a facelift, and it just gives that you know, youthful volume back to the cheeks. It's basically what you would get with fillers, but this is sort of a permanent filler and not quite as rounded, puffy looking. It's great for facial feminization patients to give them more of a female lifted cheekbone appearance or just for anyone that wants to have cheekbones. Maybe they have a more of a rounded face. Well, you know, I, I you said fillers, and I just want to go on record that that yes. I hate fillers. I'm pretty sure that the filler cartel has done everything they can to snuff all information about cheek implants. Yeah, they probably have. That's probably why nobody knows about them. Because if people knew about cheek implants, they'd stop pumping the fillers into their face. Uh, for sure. They would. They would. they look better. They look better. They, they look, don't look mushy. They're not mushy. They're not, you don't look like a balloon figure afterwards because these – so let's talk about a little bit about what these implants are. So those are sort of the, the main ones we've covered, the jaw, the chin, the cheek. There are some more esoteric ones yeah, that – these are the ones that no one I really do all does. the time. Correct. And so these implants, they're silicone implants and they are a kind of a firm silicone gel. You can they're have rubber. them. They're, they're actually silicone rubber. rubber. Yeah. yeah. I mean there, there may be some other materials you can use. But in general, the most commonly used ones are going to be the silicone rubber gel. A consistency that I'm trying to think of that might be similar to that would be – I don't even know it's what would be one. similar. Like a Swedish jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> like a Swedish – Those are really good. A little bit firmer than a Swedish jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, you can't really jellyfish. pull them apart. But they, are, they do have a little firmness to them. They're, uh, like, they're not as firm as a, like a, a rubber hockey puck. Which right. is something I 
kind of have my hands on all the time. But, but the, they're firmer than, say, a silicone gel breast. Oh implant. yeah, they don't they don't have any gel component to them. They're like uh, they're they're, they're almost like they're a solid. like a foam sole of a of a of a of a tennis shoe. Yeah, and they're they're different sizes, and they come in the shapes designed for. Do you want to get chin. a tennis shoe put into your face? Because I thought it just sounded like I just said you're going to have a tennis shoe in your face. No, 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 it's, no. Like it's just going to be an implant, and you can get them, you know, pre-made. You can get them custom-made. You say can. You need a certain size that isn't made. You can send them to the companies, do a little moulage, get a custom-made implant. And these are inert substances. They're foreign bodies. They go in and they're placed directly on the bones of the face themselves. So these are deep, deep, deep under the skin, under the fat, under the muscles. They're placed directly on the bone and they can stay in place, you know, indefinitely. Once I they're I there, they're there. kind of take there. them to the grave. Yeah. <laughs> if you're happy with them and they're, they're working and they're doing what you want, those implants aren't really going anywhere and they, they stay. They stay and do their job really well. Yeah, they look great. They can be very, you know, depending, like, again, here comes the artistry of plastic surgery because that's what this is, people. It is about the artistry of picking the right implant for the right situation and putting it in the right place. Everything is about the assessment and plan and execution of these operations. And if you pick the wrong implants, if you put in implants that are too big, you've made a Klingon. If you've put in implants that are too small, you didn't get what you were looking for. So there, it has to be just right. And that really comes with experience and artistry. And, you know, some people never get it. I've seen, I've seen people that have done plastic surgery for years and their patients all look like aliens to me. I I don't like them. They love them. They love it. So I don't want to sit here and say alien is not the right thing. It may be the right thing for you. Some people want to look like aliens. They do. I've had people say like, I really want this wide. And I'm like, I ain't doing that. That's not what's happening, you know? And uh, I've had other people say, I really want to be narrowed. And they, and then I narrow them. And they're like, oh, no, it's got to be even more narrow. And I'm like, you can't. You won't have a face. Like, you need to, <laughs> you need to have cheeks at some point. Like, how narrow do you want this to be? Like, you know, it doesn't work that way. So there is, there is a level of artistry and understanding that comes from really getting the plastic surgeon whose results you like, period, end of story. Yeah. And the procedures themselves are fairly straightforward, and we can kind of go through those those three we mentioned. So chin implants, probably one of the most common implants. You know, that's an incision. You can put it in the mouth. You can put it under the chin. Mm. I know you have in, to put it in the mouth? You don't have to. That's That one has issues, but it can be done that way. It can. Um, or you can do it through an incision under the chin. Go down right where that, you know, chin bone is. Place your implant in. The chin bone. Chin bone. Yep. Close your sutures over it. and. And it's great. This is a great procedure for someone that really wants to get more projection to their chin. So this is men who want a more projected chin, women who want a more projected chin. It's a great thing to add on to someone who kind of has a poorly defined neck line. Yes. So if you're already doing liposuction of the neck, you give them a chin implant if their chin's a little weak, and all of a sudden you have an amazing chin profile angle of that neck. Well, there's a thing about that, though. The... I think we should distinguish for the audience um, a small chin versus a retrusive chin because oh, yeah, they're sure. two different things. Yes. You know, you can have the chin can be weak or deficient for reasons of length of the face. You know, the the portion from the lower lip to the the point of the chin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be back. It can be short, where it comes from the cervical mental angle, where the neck turns into the the lower jaw coming out to the chin. It doesn't project. It doesn't project enough. enough. Yeah. And it can be tiny. And so you can put chin implants for all those reasons. Yes. And they don't have to be gargantuan. You don't have to look like the Terminator. You can you can pick something that can 
do a little bit of the job, that can do a lot of it. You, you have to discuss that with your surgeon. And again, I, I think it's a great operation in the right hands. Right. And it can be added on single or with other procedures just to really emphasize and give that lower face more harmony and more harmony with the rest of the face. What about the angles? Well, do, you, do you like angle implants? Because I'm kind of a fan. I know you are. I'm not as familiar with them. So I'll let you take the lead on that one. They're, they're interesting. I've done both. Uh, you, you said these are all silicone kind of rubber. They're, these, this is the one time where I think that using a med pore yeah. type, you know, a, a, uh, a, a Teflon type of implant is better because you do get some tissue ingrowth, but I think they're a little bit more, um, they stay in place a little bit better. And well, they have a very kind of porous surface. So the tissue yeah. kind of grows into them. Whereas the silicone is just a smooth surface that doesn't yeah, really attract anything to I, it. I don't, I don't know if one's better than the other. I've done both. And in certain situations, I choose one over the other. Um, in revi- these, are, these are usually for um, men, usually, who want more of a defined jawline. I've Although you women. can put in women who are kind of on the craniofacial spectrum. <laughs> you know, Not necessarily, <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> I, okay. So I did some for a patient of mine who has uh, since moved away, but um, she was like begging me. She's like, I, I really want angle implants. And I was like, do you need them? I, and I saw what she was looking at. She was very deficient there. Mm-hmm. We put in some small angle implants, totally changed her face. Well, like, this is why people do jawline fillers. Yeah, be- beautiful. It yeah. just was like a home run. So yes, men, women, it's anybody who feels deficient at the angle of the jaw. And then, of course, uh, the, the we talked the cheek implants. I mean, come on. The, um, this is like – this ends implants. your filler quest. Are great. So this is uh, – it's put in through small incisions inside the mouth and, again, right direct up under that cheekbone. Put them in place. Put a few sutures in. Close everything up. And it's just – it's a home run. When those are put in the right place and they're the right size for the patient, you can change the shape of that face. Give it a heart-shaped face back. Give the defined cheekbones. And it's it's not – overly dramatic. I mean, I guess it could be if you put really large implants into a small face, but in general, it's just this nice, pretty enhancement of the cheekbones. And if you have someone that maybe has more of a rounded, less defined face, this is something that you combine with buccal fat excision to give some more hollowing to the area of the cheek below the implants. And you can sort of just really change a rounded face into that more kind of heart-shaped, angular face. Yeah, I mean, uh, they, they're money for me. And they, they have some that have submalar extensions, which means that they'll come down over the, the master and can fill in the cheek if you're too mm-hmm. deficient, which happens for sort of people in the 55 to 70-year-old right. range. older patients. Right. So, cheek, you know, facial – as a plastic surgeon, I love being well-versed and skilled at placing facial implants because they come into play on all my facial aesthetic surgery. It's a consideration – should I do fat grafting? Should I do some cheek implants? Should I, should I do jawline implants for for the men? For do they need a chin? Like and I've always envisioned a little chin implant for myself. I've uh, you know like what if I just get her out there like and maybe just look a little bit roided out just a bit? You know it might not be a bad thing. I don't know, but uh, I I think that ship may have sailed at this point. Yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing that. For well, you. when you do the facelift, that's I'll be let on you know. You. That's up to you. I'll give you. <laughs> I'll give you a creative license to pop in a cheek implant because you can pop them out easily if you need to. That's true. Um, let's, so let's talk about that. Do you do your facial implants, say your cheek implants, at the same time as a facelift or do you do the facelift first and then come back and do implants? Together. Yeah. You're already Together. right there. Oh, yeah. right at it. 
So I do the facelift first, and then because it's a subperiosteal plane, which down on the bones, it's a totally different plane. I do that, you know, at the same time, but through different incisions. And I, you can also put these in through a canthotomy incision. Yeah, you can you do can. that. It's not not awesome. I don't love it, but it's doable, which means that it goes in through the eyelids. So, um, not my favorite. No, because then you're messing with the eyelids. If you don't have to, then then don't. Correct. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think that's sort of the long and short of it. The typical uh, problems that come with uh, implants are actually more nerve injuries, you know, problems yeah. with weakness of nerves. I've never seen a permanent one, except I had one guy, and I don't know if he had a little bit of weakness before, because you know how everybody has weakness on the left side of the, mm-hmm. the marginal mandibular nerve? He had a little bit of noticeable weakness after the chin implant. Of course, he was a malpractice attorney. Of course. And we talked about it very carefully because he's like, you know, I read the consent. It says that you can get weakness of the marginal mandibular nerve. I go, he, I, I, this is the conversation. It's just, it just goes to show you, like, don't speak it into the universe. He goes, what are the odds that that's going to happen? I go, well, you know, you're a malpractice attorney, so for you, it's probably really high. 100%. Yeah, in <laughs> your he case. Was, he was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so it, it was weak afterwards, and it did get better. It got way better. He was not bothered by it at all. I still saw it a little bit, and I said, you know, if you want to balance it, we can put two units of Botox in your in your uh, other side just to, just to kind of make Weaken it Weaken the even. other side, yeah. It, it went away. He was fine with it, but that was the only time that I really kind of had one that lingered, and of course, it was, you know... Malpractice. You know, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, of course, of course, like we joked about it, like the whole thing. Yeah. It did get better. I've never had one on anybody else. Um, it, and the people that do get weaknesses, though, are always like somebody who's got a big party coming up. Mm. Somebody that's got, you know, it, it, otherwise right. it doesn't happen. Like no. if there's some reason for you to not have it happen. It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But, and, if, but usually it's temporary. Oh, they're definitely temporary. So, they all get better. You know, give it a few months and it gets better. They all get better. The other implants, not a big issue. You know, mandibular implants, not a big issue. Infection is is a problem. You can I've get seen infection. some infections. Yeah. And I've seen some cheek implants kind of, you know, descend a little bit out of position where I wasn't so thrilled with them, not by me, but by other people. And I had to go back in and, and push their implants back up. I've not had that happen, but I've seen it where you can see the implant sort of in a – it's Weird just too place. low. Yeah. It, it's too low on that cheek. You've got to really get that that periosteum up and make a space to get the implant in there. Yeah, and I think once you get that space and, and you let it heal, it's kind of socked in there for the most part. You've got to get it in the right place. But so that, I think that's about all of our stuff on implants, but I did want to tell you a really funny Beverly Hills plastic surgery story. Do you have a minute? I have a minute. Okay, so the other day – I had to charge my car mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, I have to charge it in the Camden lot because we don't have chargers in our building. Oh, yes. That's my spot. The Camden lot. I know. So <laughs> I put my, so I put my car in there and after I did a couple of cases, I went over to get it. And as I was walking, there was like a Hollywood tours bus, you mm-hmm. know, like open air tour of Hollywood. And the guy was like, and I could hear him talking. He was like, there's all kinds of people that hang out in, in, in Beverly Hills. There's shoppers. There's. You know, this, there's that. And there are plastic surgeons in the wild here. <laughs> you know, and he like totally saw me coming. And uh, he goes, and if you look out the window right now, there's a busy plastic surgeon walking right by. And I like waved everybody. And they freaking lost it like it was a plant or something. What? So it was it was really good. Because I kind of like totally like improved with the dude. So yeah. I was I was kind of cracking up. Plastic over surgeon it. in the wild. Was, that is too there's, funny. There's a plastic surgeon in the wild right out the right side of the bus. And I was like, hey. <laughs> I do love those tour buses. I think there's one or two companies where you like get the cost of your 
tour reimbursed if you spot a celebrity or something like oh, no that. Way. So I've always wanted to like dress up like my celebrity like your doppelganger. my doppelganger just to see if I can fool one of the tour bus people and have them like think I'm somebody. Who is your celebrity doppelganger? You know, I don't know who it is now. When I was super younger, like in my early 20s, it was actually Lindsay Lohan. Um, oh, no way. she was in her early 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen we, pictures of My sister and I were like, oh my gosh, she looks just like I did in high school, like yeah. in her Freaky Friday phase. Yeah. I don't know who it is. Now I've gotten three times now in the past two years, and I'm going to blank on her name and my apologies. Um, she's the actress who's the um, sister in The Crown of the first season. Oh, I don't know and she's is. also the actress who's in some of the Fast and the Furious movies and i'm i have seen none of that i should know who my celebrity <laughs> doppelganger is now but i'm blanking on her who's uh, yours but mine's either christian bale or tom cruise no, not, yes. not not too bad but not not anymore i don't think i think i've like I don't aged know. Down we were in one. the office a few months ago and one of my patients saw you and was like it's tom cruise <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe i mean i think maybe from like the height thing it doesn't really work because mm. i'm a little taller than he is but he's uh he's amazing that guy. I, I just can't get aged over very well. Can't get over how good he looks. Number one, but he's just uh, the fact that he's the stunts that I see him doing. I'm just like this guy has totally lost it. <laughs> yes. Matt Damon was telling some story on TikTok that was cracking me up. He said uh, Tom Cruise was telling me a story. He's like, well, you know, I talked to the safety officer and I told him what I want to do, and he says that's unsafe. You know, so then the next safety officer I talked to, <laughs> so basically fired him and got a guy that said we could do it. <laughs> I think so, some of our patients. So our last plastic surgeon said he couldn't do this. So I went to another one. That's right. Totally. And that happens. Plastic surgery shopping based on – and you know what? I don't blame them. I did want to bring this up at some point in our one of our podcasts, and this is a key point. I think plastic surgeons should say instead of this can't be done – they should say, I can't do this because I have patients that come in and say, the, my plastic surgeon told me it can't be done. I should never have surgery again. And I'm looking at something. I'm like, I, I can, I could do this in the next hour and a half if you want. I can fix it. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, I, like, you know, like <laughs> my dad's got an awesome set of tools. I can fix it. But it's like, it's true. I'm like, like looking at it. I'm like, they said, what? Like, it can't be done. This is a, totally can be done. So I think the answer should be. I can't do this. Maybe you could find somebody else who could do it or you want to talk to some other people or maybe I recommend these people. But but it can't be done. Don't ever have surgery again is sort of like definitive. And coming from a doctor, that means like I've studied that and you shouldn't do that again. I mean there's stuff – I think I probably fall into the line of I don't – feel comfortable doing that is what I usually say. I don't feel comfortable doing that. There may be other plastic surgeons out there that right. do. So I encourage you to get second opinions. Now, the flip side of that is if you are a patient and you've been told by multiple plastic surgeons that you shouldn't do something, okay. maybe maybe <laughs> yes. there's a reason. <laughs> it is. I, I totally get that. But but oftentimes I, I see people that have like a pretty simple fix. You know, it, It's not easy. It's revision rhinoplasty. Everybody knows that's what I do a ton of. Or, or it's a, a mid-face lift or, or, you know, it's something that is like, um, that's not really that hard. Like, I mean, it, it is surgery, it is, like all that, but putting that aside, like nobody should have like, you know, basically banished them to the, like, you're, you're screwed and you can't get this fixed. Yeah. That's why it's always a good idea to get maybe a couple of opinions. A hundred percent. Well, 
This has been really great. Happy to be in the studio with you, Dr. Yes. Ravello. In the wild. That's right. Been plastic captured. Surgeons in the Wild. Maybe we should rename the, the Plastic yes. Surgery Podcast. <laughs> plastic Surgeons in the Wild. Anyway. We have to wear clothes if we call it that. Uh, <laughs> yes, we will need to do that. Shucks. <laughs> this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at ravelloplasticsurgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Bye.